I've uh, memorized my uh, Christmas text this morning, but I hope you won't be too impressed because you've memorized it too. It goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it endures forever. Guys, um, the, the primary way, I think, this is, you'll agree, uh, the primary way that, that we express love in this month-long celebration known as Christmas is, by, is via the, the giving of gifts. Um, I... I um, I have a hunch that we weren't the ones that thought that up. I, I'm, I'm thinking that, that, um, that there's something that, that gave rise to that idea of expressing love through gift giving. And my proof, my proof is John 3.16. It's 26 words. It starts with God. It ends with life. And, and, and sandwiched in between there is a formula for hope. It's a a statement that is brief enough to write on the back of a business card, and yet it is is solid enough to have withstood the criticism and the scorn of of 2,000 years. What it says is that God so loved that he gave. And so I'm thinking that Every gift that has been given since then as an expression of love is a reflection of that one. It's it's something that got built into our whole DNA when, when 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 we recognize that the way that you express love is to give something. I don't know whether y'all um, uh, keep up with the, uh, the commercials that are on television, you know, nonstop during this month. Uh, the retailers are out in force. But some of them are so clever. It, at least they're clever to me. The Best Buy commercials about game on Santa. <laughs> you know, I, I just thought that was so cute. Um, the, um, the, the car commercials, the, the Lexus commercials, which is the, the best one. I, I, I mean, they've just got creative geniuses making those things. But the one that I like the best is, um, is a jewelry store. And I don't know whether it's Kay's or Zales or, or Jared's. But, um, um, but the, the scene in the, in, the, in the commercial is a man sitting in an airport. And um, it's Christmas Eve and it's nighttime and it's snowing outside. And he's on the phone with apparently his wife. I, I, it might not be his wife. But it seems to me that it's his wife that he's talking to on the phone. And he's telling her that he can't make it. The, the airport's been shut down. The, uh, the, the flights are canceled. And, and he's not going to make it home for Christmas. And um, so, I mean, of course, he's, he's quite disappointed in all that. And, and um, so he hangs up the phone and he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out her gift. And he opens it up and it's a diamond necklace. <laughs> and, um, and he looks at it and, and, uh, and then he 
closes the box and thinks for a minute. And then he stuffs it in a pocket in his pocket and he, he grabs up his bags and puts on his coat and he dashes out the front door of the airport into the snowy night to do, I don't know what he's going to do. But the tagline of the, of the commercial is just poignant. It says, um, and what would you do for love this Christmas? <laughs> well, what would you do? What did you do for love this Christmas? I can tell you what God did. He gave. He gave his, um, his only begotten son a, a gift that was the most expensive one ever given. You know, um, I want to remind you of a principle, a principle that you already know about, that, and I think you agree is true. It's that, <clears throat> that love can be measured by, or at least love claims can be measured by the amount of our willingness to sacrifice. Um, that is, if you love a lot, you give a lot. I mean, Jesus said in Luke 7, he said, uh, little love um, sacrifices little. And that's, just a, that's just a principle we know to be true. So if that is true, and, and I think you'll agree it is, then how much would you say God loved? You know, I, I think I've told this story before. It's, a, it's pretty corny, but it, it does illustrate my point, corny or no. Uh, it's about this family who had been reduced to, it's a story from the ancient East, you know. And because of a famine, this, this, this family had been reduced to just abject starvation. And because of the, the pinch of hunger and these pitiable cries from their children asking for food, they decided that the only way to save their family was to sell one of their children into slavery. And so they had four sons. <clears throat> and so um, they started talking about it. And, and um, they, were, they were trying to determine which one would they sell into slavery. And so they said, well, we can't sell the first one. I mean, he's, he's our firstborn. He's our heir. You know, we're not going to sell him. And then the little wife said, well, we can't sell the second one because he reminds me so much of you. And, and, and I just couldn't bear to part with him. And then the husband said to the wife, he said, uh, well, we can't sell the third one. I mean, my goodness, the third one is just, she just a, a, he's just an exact replica of you. And, and I couldn't dream of selling her, him because he reminds me of you. And then they said, well, we can't sell the baby, not, not the youngest. I mean, that, that, our Benjamin, we can't do that. And so they concluded that um, the better option it was for them all to die together than to ever dream of selling one of their sons. I mean, take my life. But don't take my son. So I ask you again. How much would you say God loved? <laughs> you know, um, you who are here with your little ones 
Um, and um, enjoying them in your arms. Think about it. Would you want to give one of those up? Would you want to um, send one of those off to die for his enemies? God did. You know, I, I can understand the, um, the pride of a, of a mother and a father who watched their son march off to serve their country and perhaps even die for their country. But could you give your son to die that death for people who hated him? God did. So, um, let me ask you again. How much would you say that God loved? Um, and, and, and why? Why did he do that? We're told in the text, in John 3.16, we're told that, that the reason that he gave his son is because he he so loved, um, he so loved that he gave. It was a love that was so deep and so wide and so vast and so profound that John, trying to search for a way to describe it, could only come up with one word, a two-letter word, so. It's as if the Holy Spirit of God shut him up to one little short word. God so loved. There's a sense in which, ladies and gentlemen, that um, the most important word of those, all 26 of those words in John 3.16, the most most important word is the word so. Because it measures... However, minimally, but or, or however frustratingly, it, it measures or it's trying to measure the way that God loved. And the only word that the Holy Spirit would allow is the word so. For God so loved. Because that's the word that tells you about the extremes to which God would go to save people like us. You know, I think I've told this story before, but um, it's a quaint little thing. Um, It does illustrate my point of the extremes to which God would go, at least I hope. It's a story about a, a, a little church that uh, the, the fifth grade Sunday school class decided they wanted to put on a, a Christmas pageant. And, um, and they decided that they wanted to do the nativity scene. That's, that's what they were going to do for the, the Christmas pageant of the, of the Sunday school program there at the church. And, and the fifth graders were going to do it. And um, uh, the teacher of the fifth grades just had one problem. that There was, uh, there was one boy in the the fifth grade class that had a very severe speech impediment 
but he so wanted to be in the, 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 the play, the broadcast, or whatever it was. And, and um, so the teacher came up with an idea. And the idea was uh, that she was going to cast him as the innkeeper. Because the innkeeper only had one line. And the one line consisted of two words. Go away. Now, there was a gesture. The gesture of this, this, this broad, brusque, dismissive, go away. So she thought her, her plan was just foolproof. You know, uh, uh, give him the, the, the role of the innkeeper. He's only got one line. And, and, and she'll work on him with the, with the, with the gesture. And, 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 and all he had to say was, go away. And um, so his name was Eddie. And, and um, Eddie worked and worked and worked on his line. And um, finally, the, the, uh, the night of the pageant arrived. And, and um, here comes little Mary and Joseph, you know, kind of trudging across the stage. And, and they're moving rather slowly. And they've got their coats pulled up around them because they're cold. And her little stomach is bulging out with child. And, and uh, you know, Eddie's standing behind the door. And, and um, so Joseph goes to the door and he knocks on the door. And, and, um, and Eddie opens the door and, and uh, he says, please. Uh, Joseph says to the innkeeper, please, Mr. Innkeeper. My wife is going to have a baby. Do you have a room in the inn? And little Eddie says, go away. It was perfect. And, and, and even the gesture was this, 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 this dismissive, uh, rejecting, rejecting, go away. It was perfect. And then he slammed the door. He nailed it. So Mary and Joseph turned to, to walk away, and all of a sudden, Eddie opens the door of the uh, opens the door, and there he is standing in the door, and he's sobbing, and he's and he's waving at him to come back, to come back. I'm sorry, I've changed my mind. You can have my room. And of course, little Mary and Joseph didn't didn't know what. Knew that that wasn't in the script. But the point is, it's, it's almost like God, the divine Eddie, couldn't stand to see his people perish. And so he said, take mine. I, I, um, take mine. If that's what is necessary to save you, then just take mine. You know, guys, um, I, I'm going to say this, and I, I'm, I'm somewhat reluctant to say it because it's almost irreverent. It's, it's almost bordering on, the sacri- on sacrilege. But just permit me to try to make my point. It's, it's almost seems that, that God loves his people more than he loves his son because he's willing to sacrifice his son so that he doesn't have to sacrifice us. Why? Because he loved. No, that's not true. Because he so loved. 
it's um, it's because he so loved that he was willing to go to the extremes to which he went. To save people like us. And I heard somebody say that the only religion that will save you <clears throat> is the one that you can hardly believe is true. Well, if that's true, ladies and gentlemen, this is the one that will save you. Because it's almost so good that it's too good to be true. You know, the name Karl Barth might ring a bell to some of you. Um, there's many people who believe that Karl Barth was the, the greatest theologian of the 20th century. I'm not sure I'm one of them, but um, there's a lot of people who do believe that. And Karl Barth, Barth wrote, among other things, he wrote eight volumes, eight thick volumes of, of systematic theology. They were called the Dogmatique. Um, I think Barth was Swiss, I think. But um, um, towards the end of his life, and maybe you've heard this story before too, but um, it's, a, it's a profound statement. But towards the end of his life, one of his students, one of Barth's students, came to him and said, uh, Dr. Barth, um, what, is the, um, what is the most profound thought that you've ever had? What is the most profound thing that you've ever read? What is the most profound thing that you've ever taught, that you've ever written about, that you've ever discussed, that you've ever debated? What is the most profound thing that you've ever thought? And, and Bart thought for a minute and he said, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. You know, guys, God didn't have to love. He chose to. He chose to love not based on anything that he saw in us. In fact, (laughs) there was a lot that he saw that would evoke his displeasure. He chose to love because of what he saw in himself. You know, guys, um, how, how do you know that he loved It's Christ. You know, without Christ, this whole whole discussion about God loving and all that, it's just an abstraction. Without Christ, God could have sent you a thousand personalized letters saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. And we would have said, well, (laughs) that's nice. But when you consider the person and work of Jesus Christ, then I'll ask you again, how much do you think God loves sinners? The text said, he so loves. You know, folks, um, God is still giving away gifts. And uh, because he gave away um, his, his son, Christmas, for many of us, has become merry. But he's still giving away gifts. He's still giving Christ away to all who receive him. What he's asking for is for us to trust in Jesus Christ to do something that we couldn't do for ourselves. 
how do you turn away? How do you decline gifts like that? I don't know. But I guess um, some here have. But others of us haven't. Others of us have been swept away by the knowledge that there is a God who loved. Not now, he so loved that he has provided everything necessary for us to be reconciled and for our sin to be forgiven. There's a gift for you, ladies and gentlemen. There's a gift that you don't have to wait until next Christmas to open. You can open it now. And for those of us who've already opened it, Merry Christmas. Our Father, um, as we consider the, the joys of this day, the one that so many of us recognize to be our great hope, is the provision that you made for us in Christ Jesus for our sin. And that we sit here this morning as people who are stuffed, who have closets that are stuffed with clothes, We have stomachs that are stuffed with food, and we have checking accounts that are stuffed with money, but we also have souls that are stuffed with forgiveness, that our sin of the past, our sin of the present, and even the stuff that we will foolishly commit in the future, it's all been paid for. by the gift that you gave, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we come to let you know once again, we're all yours. Do with us as you wish. Put us where you want, doing what you would have us do. Might 2012 be a year where you get great glory from each of us. Not because we're trying to earn your favor, but because we in Christ already have your favor. And once again have been reminded of the extremes to which you have gone to save people like us. And in response to that love, we want to give too. We commit ourselves to that, Father, and we do so in the name of Christ Jesus the Lord.